Chris and Jenna Batiker are the singer-songwriter duo Wild Harbors. Good to have the two of you here on The Antidote. Thanks so much for having us. Mm -hmm. Wild Harbors is putting out your very first EP. You're a new artist, but the songs make it clear that the two of you have a big music background. What's the story? Do you want to start? Sure. Um, Yeah, so we both grew up... um, loving music, but Mm -hmm. of very different kinds. I kind of grew up more in musical theater and jazz and some folk and things. You know, people will ask you, when did you start singing? And for me, I just always have. There wasn't really a beginning to that. Um, But studied voice in college, um, studied music in college somewhat. And yeah, just kind of kept plugging away through that. Yeah, I didn't grow up with a quote musical background except to say that I just loved listening to music growing up. Um, And it's the same where I don't really remember when I started singing because I probably started singing into like, you know, a lampstand in my bedroom when I was 12, (laughs) like in a really bad way. (laughs) So, uh, but we started performing in college, I think around like 2005 or something like that. Mm. And again, probably in a really bad way. Oh yeah. So um, that was sort of the beginning for me, loving music growing up. And uh, always appreciating it, but then not really getting into it probably until around uh, college. Yeah. We started playing music together with some other friends, um, basically at a event that they were having on campus and they needed a house band for it. And I thought that that was the perfect excuse for me to be able to sing all my 90s cover songs that I loved, like my Lisa Loeb and everybody. And called Chris, we were friends, and said, hey, I need to talk to your roommate because your roommate plays guitar, and I need him because I don't play anything well enough. And Chris kind of... I kind of hijacked it. (laughs) I said, I will let you talk to my roommate who plays guitar if you will agree to let me join your cover band and let me throw in all my Green Day covers. So I kind of forced myself into that whole performance (laughs) by just putting my shoe in the door. Yes, Um, you did. So yeah, so we played for years with other friends, And then eventually all the friends who played instruments moved away or studied abroad and things. And we started figuring out, wow, I guess we need to figure out how to play these things a lot better if we want to keep playing music. Yeah, so we did and slowly but surely started Mm -hmm. to do so. So then the personal life aspect intersected where we were friends all through school. And while we were playing music together in different Mm -hmm. capacities, um, we dated after I graduated from college um, Mm -hmm. and college is where we met each other. Um, And then we no longer dated and broke up. And as you do in your 20s, and it was very (laughs) dramatic and terrible. And we never thought that we would speak to each other again. Um, But life turned out very differently and we did indeed Mm -hmm. speak to each other again after a whole bunch of time passed and that was when we started playing music together Mm -hmm. um more concentratedly as a duo so yeah so that was in like 2010 yeah somewhere around there yeah and played together just as our names as a duo for a while um kind of getting getting our feet more under us and figuring out how to write songs and how to play in front of other people and where we would do that and now we are very freshly wild harbors (laughs) yeah (laughs) i can't see the name wild harbors being a reflection of where you live westminster maryland is close to the ocean but it's not on it so what does the name reflect um 
I don't know that it so much reflects our natural geography. We are about 40 minutes from the Inner Harbor in Baltimore, though. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely a landmark in mind as that name was getting kicked around of like, oh, the harbor. You can't say harbor here without everyone thinking, go to Baltimore. Mm -hmm. But not really what it was named for. Yeah. The harbor aspect definitely was there, but not the... uh, not as much the wild naturey side of it. We um we spent a while knowing that we wanted to rename our band and so much has happened in this past year of our life and it was time for a new banner. Um spent a lot of time trying to find what that name would be and we landed on those two words of kind of having some opposite connotations to each of them and basically kind of lobbying them out to people of, hey, we like the way these words sound. What do you think of when you hear these words? Um, And getting a lot of feedback from people about how, you know, it can be a place that you are headed towards or a place that you're leaving from. Um, It can be a place of safety, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's always completely safe. You know, there are natural harbors Mm -hmm. as well as ones that are more man-made and refined. So... That resonated with us a lot because this has kind of been a season of leaving things behind that are familiar and setting out for new places and new territories. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a wildness in some of that journeying and some of that adventure, but that there's also some safety in it that when you're when you're living into the things that you feel like you're supposed to be living into, that even if it's uncertain and a lot of the details and logical parts of it aren't as clear that there's a certain safety in knowing that you're going where you were called to go Mm -hmm. and you're going to be okay in that, even when things seem hard or whether they seem fabulous, that there's some certainty in that, I think. Yeah. For me, I don't know that, I mean, I liked it certainly. I don't know that the name held as much intrinsic value uh, when we picked it as much as we were very much behind schedule with picking a (laughs) band name. (laughs) So I liked it for the sheer fact that it sounded like a band name and it sounded fine. And so for a while, that's all I could really muster was just like, they're like, oh, the name, what do you think? And it's like, well, we picked it. So that's great. Um, It was kind of more the sense of like, you're buying a shirt that's much too big for you. It doesn't fit you yet. But you say, well, hopefully one day I'll grow into this and, you know, it'll make a little more sense. So for me, it was kind of nice just to have it open and say like, you know, I don't have a lot of attached meaning to it right now. But maybe as we keep going, maybe as things change and time passes, meaning will develop from that that I didn't see when we stepped into it. And will you also grow into it due to Jenna's cooking? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I was thinking like, that's a good analogy for when you're eight. That's true. Maybe not. <laughs> when, you're, when you're 30, you hope that whatever shirt you buy is the shirt that fits <laughs> and that you've grown <laughs> exactly the way you meant to. <laughs> okay, well, you've brought up earlier about your romance, which sound maybe it was a little bit rocky and maybe the harbor's also a little bit rocky. Oh, I see what you did there. But love stories also come up on the Wild Harbor's song, House on Fire. Yeah. It -hmm. makes it sound as if marriage isn't always a smooth ride. That's been my experience. That's a rumor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was just listening to this yesterday. A guy was saying that he likes to always ask married couples who have been married for a long time, what's your secret to staying together? And he says, very, very often the married couple will say, we worked hard at it. That's been my experience, and I think Jenna would say her experience as well, mm-hmm. is that it's not just a smooth ride. It's something that, like a plot of land, if you work hard at it, you will see fruit. So it's taken a lot of work for us, 
and specifically with that song it was just a focal point on how hard it can be for me it was very unintuitive the idea of being in a marriage and having to resolve conflict within that um i don't think i really understood very well how to do that when i got married so we would be like you know having a spat and going at it and you know our hair's like standing on end and all this stuff and uh Jenna would come down after it and say, like, you know, I really just wanted to know that you loved me. I wanted you to come close to me and put your arm around me and, like, show me that you cared. And me realizing that was the exact opposite of everything I was picking up from her in those moments of, like, I was feeling like, I better get out of here. Like, (laughs) if I don't, she's going to, like, claw my eyes out or something. (laughs) So uh, it was the first time that I really had to grapple with the idea that even if you love someone, sometimes moving towards them can feel very, very scary because sometimes every signal you're getting says turn around and run but you need to kind of go against that intuition sometimes and push even harder into the things that seem scarier in order to get fruit from it what i was really drawing out of house on fire was that really it's the struggles that guys have with revealing Mm. their emotions Mm. yeah because that does seem to be a typical guy sort of thing I think it definitely can be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we've seen it in, you know, not just marriage relationships, but in friendships and family relationships and things that it is so much easier, even for me, like, I don't, (laughs) I don't have a problem expressing my emotions, (laughs) but it is so much easier to run away from conflict and not run towards it. It's easier for me to just avoid it. And if things are hard with somebody to either just not call them not to have contact with them or just try to wait till it goes away on its own, which there are, you know, clearly there's things that that can happen with, but the relationships in my life that are the best are the ones that we've run into those really hard things instead of running away from them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you get burns, you get injuries in the process, but you come out on the other side a little bit more refined and hopefully your relationship comes out stronger for that. Mm Mm-hmm. Chris, I've got advice for you. After being married for a long time, whatever Jenna says, you just say yes, and that's it. Conflict (laughs) resolved. Sometimes it depends on what she's saying, but I do say it. I say it on occasion. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's go back a little bit. You were talking about Westminster. I'd like to hear more about it. What's the town like and what's it like to perform in? Well, I'd love to tell you what it's like to perform in Westminster, but we don't do it incredibly often. (laughs) Um, It's not really a big music city. It's not really a big anything city. If anything, (laughs) it's kind of a small farm town. Um, It's a lot of hills. Um, There's a college here, and that draws a lot of people to the area um, during Mm -hmm. the school year. When school's out, you can definitely feel kind of a bit of a void in the city. So it's most alive when school is in session. Yeah, so it's the largest city in the county Mm -hmm. um, that we live in. So it's definitely a hub for this county. Yeah. So for me, I grew up in a really small town in Pennsylvania. So when I came to college here, I was like, man, this town has a Walmart and a Target, like right down the road. (laughs) This has everything. So it did not feel small to me when I moved here. But yes, we have performed here somewhat. Mm -hmm. Um, It's definitely fewer and farther between. And usually there's a couple um, coffee house locations that we've been able to play there over the course of years. There's churches here that we've played at. 
Um, there are some restaurants and things that I know that there are other artists. Like if you're a cover band, you know, you can get mm-hmm. probably a regular gig playing the bar scene a little bit more. Yeah. The closest I would say music hub we're really close to is Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And it's a very different vibe than kind of what we're putting out. It's a very bar rock city. Mm-hmm. And uh, for us, it's not really the place we're trying to invest in right at this moment. So it often looks more like we'll kind of live here. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes time to book shows, we're usually traveling to the West a bit um, and doing stuff out there and then sort of just coming back here for daily life. Yeah, which honestly, I mean, some of what's kept us here are our friendships. We we just have a great community. We went to college that's in the town here. Um, and the intention was never of, I'm just going to stay in this town forever. Um, but got a job right out of school. So I stayed and Chris stayed because I was here and just had a really incredible community of people who mm-hmm. have just loved us and supported us and been so gracious mm-hmm. to us. Um, and so we, we may not stay here forever, but yeah. I mean, that has certainly given us a reason to stay thus far. Yeah. Um, and it's a really sweet town. We live really yeah. close to Main Street and we can walk to our favorite bakery that's on Main Street. Mm-hmm. They have all sorts of fun seasonal events that go on when the weather's nice yeah. and at Christmas time. Like they'll close down the Main Street for all sorts of different like festivals and mm-hmm. things. Um, and that's grown as we've been here. A friend said to me, like, your town's kind of Stars Hollow-esque for all the Gilmore Girl fans, <laughs> which I hadn't seen at the time. Like, okay, I don't really know what that show's like, but... Then I watched a little. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, it's not as tiny as Stars Hollow, but I can totally see the whole quaint, historic downtown. Yeah. It's definitely nice. It's been nice, too, as we've kind of worked further away with music things and gotten little glimpses of the communities that exist outside of our city to be able to come back here and say more of like, all right, like we don't have to sit around and imagine like, what if we could be a part of these communities somewhere else? Like We can start finding people that do what we do here in Westminster. So... That's been nice just to even more recently, like be really intentional about looking for people in our area who do music and being able to say things like, hey, why don't we just meet up once a month? Like we can have some tea and talk about songwriting and play some music together in a really informal kind of way to build some artistic community here where we live has been a really cool blessing about this place, too. Mm -hmm. Prior to our interviews starting. You'd mentioned that you're going to be playing at Creation Fest, one of the larger Christian music festivals. Artists that are bringing their music with a Christian perspective are the main part of what this show is all about. Mm-hmm. How does faith work its way into your music? For us, um, well, for me at least, I won't, <laughs> I won't claim to know everything in your mind, but um, you know, we are Christians, and that means that the music that I write is going to be influenced by that. And I think that I have always kind of lived in a space of wanting to see really good art being made and wanting to write songs that that resonate with people as true, with people who would potentially be a part of the church and believers or potentially with people who are not. Um, Yeah, I think there's this idea of Christian music and what that means and what that looks like. And it's such an ongoing conversation Mm -hmm. that we're we're having with each other and with other artists that we know. Um, For us, I think that we just want to write good songs. We want them to be songs that other people feel drawn towards and can give them Mm -hmm. voice to something maybe that they wouldn't have had words to 
on their own without a song to kind of express that for them. Hoping that 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 could happen, whether it's inside a church or outside of a church. So we don't write in a way that would be foreign to someone who's not a believer or someone who's not part of a church. Um, most of our lyrics and most of our language is something that we at least strive to make more more universal. Like what we're saying isn't compromised or watered down. There are a lot of bands that are ministering solely to the church and they're so important mm -hmm. and needed. And we kind of want to be going outward a little bit. Your songs do come across as being, well, I guess they come across as sounding light and airy, but they really do have depth. Mm, hmm. Thank you. How does the song crafting work for Wild Harbors? It's certainly changed a lot over time. I don't know that we have a formula you can really pin down except to put it in really broad strokes and that normally one of us will be living our life doing a normal thing like driving a car or going to work or doing whatever we do, reading a book. And some idea will be interesting to us. And then usually independently, we'll kind of ruminate on that idea a little bit and probably jot down, in my case, like a sentence or two, or in Jenna's case, like a verse and a chorus and a bridge and everything else. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just sung into my phone. Sung into her phone while she's driving. We each kind of take those ideas that find us in pretty different ways. Um, but usually before they get too, too, too developed, we'll share that with one another and just say like, hey, this is just this little tiny bit that I have. It's just a seed. And here's the idea behind it. Here's what was happening. And this is sort of what it is right now. What do you think? And we'll kind of respond to each of those on a case-by-case -case basis. So far, we haven't found like a one-size-fits-all for it. You know, sometimes I'll listen to it and say like, that sounds really beautiful. And it sounds like you have something cool there. I want to keep myself far away from it and see what you do with it. And sometimes I'll hear something she'll bring in and say like, hey, here's this thing I just sang into my phone. And I'll say, all right, let's go write the rest of that right now. Like in the music room, like let's get in there and start working on it. You know, each song kind of, you can kind of get a sense of what is best for it. Sometimes it looks more like a traditional, like, you know, one of us does 80% of the work, one of us does 20, and it's kind of like a little mishmash there. And sometimes it's literally both of us like pushing and pulling and tugging, doing like 50-50, like straight down the middle, like to the point that you can't unseparate it again. Once you've poured the iced tea in and the lemonade in, it's one drink and it's hard to get those mm -hmm. lines unblurred. Yeah. Um, House on Fire was it's the first song that we wrote in terms of the timeline for this EP and for this record um, that's going to be coming out later in the year. And House on Fire was the most that we had ever collaborated and co-written. Mm -hmm. And it was exhausting. <laughs> there was such good bones there. You know, for me, writing is such a personal and emotional experience. It really took me a while to learn to be okay with, with doing that together and having you know, having him be able to look at my ideas and mm -hmm. say, I think that this could be stronger and I think this should be different and learning how to separate myself and my own identity from the art that I make of saying, oh, you know, instead of this being a personal attack, mm -hmm. the line really is better now that you looked at it and said it needed to change and improve. Yeah. Um, and I think that as our marriage has developed and progressed, that process has also developed and progressed when we started playing that song for people, we were playing a catalog of 
our older things that we had written under a different project name and we started playing house on fire and at every show people would come up and say, what is that song? I, I need that. When are you recording that? That is something different. Um, and it was such a humbling thing for me of realizing just all the hours and striving and <laughs> tears mm-hmm. and frustration that may have happened were so worth it that it's okay for it to take a long time and for it to be a struggle because something so much better came out of it than I ever would have done on my own or Chris would have done on his own. Um, and it really kind of lit the fire, so to speak, yeah. pun not intended, to continue writing like that, to say, mm-hmm. all right, here you go. Here's my unfinished fragments. Let's mm-hmm. let's fight the good fight and make these things better together. Yeah, but we've been learning a lot through that process, too. Like, we're not done in that. Mm-mm. We're still learning things every time we do it where even just something as simple as depersonalizing ideas, you know, if I change it from, like, what I think about, quote, Jenna's lyric to what I think about, quote, the lyric about a boat, it's easier to view the whole process as something more that two people are working on and less mm-hmm. of something that I'm rejecting, not Jenna, but just an idea on the table. Yeah. And so it becomes easier to have a collaborative voice together when you're working on it that way. But yeah, we're just always learning things about each other and about the process through working it. Mm-hmm. Another great outcome from that songwriting process is the single monument. Mm. A listener to The Antidote messaged me and he says, you've got to hear this. It's a perfect song. And I agree. The song is great. It also tells something of the Wild Harbor story. (laughs) It does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So like Jenna just said, House on Fire was the very first song that was in some ways the impetus for writing the whole rest of the record. After we'd written that song and played it a few times, we kind of knew the time is now to start writing this way and get this project out. Like, let's do it. And if that was the beginning, Monument was the other end, where we had spent that whole year trying to write a bunch of these songs. And at this point, a recording date was pretty much looming over our heads. And I don't think we're unique in it, but I think often artists can get to a point in a project where they say, I know it's not done yet. I know these aren't all the songs. I just know that there's one other song out there that hasn't manifested itself yet. And I couldn't really put my finger on it. It was more of just like a gut feeling. It's like, I know there's a song somewhere here that we don't have. And I feel like now, like the clock is ticking and we have a limited amount of time to try to bring that into fruition before we actually leave to go record these songs. So that song was Monument. I think we only finished the final arrangement maybe two weeks before we ended up driving down to Nashville to record. It was a scenario, you know, where we had to look at our summer and say, like, are we taking a vacation this year or are we finishing the song? (laughs) So um, So we picked the song. We picked the song. Mm -hmm. And it was a classic case of, you know, everything we were used to doing with songwriting was not working. I was strumming the same four chords for, you know, 10 hours, hoping something would happen. I was filling up 18 pages in a notebook with different versions of the same verse and nothing would happen. So for me, it was really a lesson in surrendering control and that when I finally made a space that Jenna and I could get together and I allowed her to say, like, what if I just go over your notebook and I put some of these words that you've written like hundreds of into some sort of order to start from instead of me saying like, oh, no, but I have a vision for it and I have an idea of what I want. Not that I wasn't also doing that, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but just allowing her to have a bit more freedom with some of the materials at hand. 
letting her take time to then come back and say like, all right, here's what I got from everything that you've written. I've made this verse and I've made this chorus idea and it could go like this. You know, even if you don't like the first draft, it at least gives you more information to be going off of than you had before. So that was sort of a great catalyst for us of like actually having something to work from with that song Mm -hmm. instead of just having ambiguous, you know, ideas. Yeah. And you're so right that it absolutely ties so strongly into the story of Wild Harbors. (laughs) Um, I had worked as a teacher for over a decade and I knew going into teaching that I love kids and I love the act of teaching, but just had a really strong sense that teaching in a public school was not going to be my forever job, Um, but also that it would be really easy to get comfortable in it and not do anything else of just kind of continuing year after year. Um, So a decade went by and that indeed happened Um, and, you know, treasured my time doing so and loved all the kids that I got to work with and everything. Um, But we started having a lot of conversations in the spring as we were realizing, you know, we're getting older. I'm 33 and what are we kind of doing here? Like we're living in this town and we have so many things that are possibilities for our life that we're becoming paralyzed by the fact that we have so many possibilities and we're not doing anything different. Um, At least for me, making decisions is scary and hard and it was easier to just avoid thinking about things that were hard and involved risk and sacrifice Um, But in a way, that is the decision that you're making. Mm -hmm. If that's what you continue to do, you're deciding not to do anything by default. But really, Uh, that's a huge jump, a huge, mm. scary jump to say, "Okay, I'm going to give up my career. That's it. I'm going to do music full time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very scary. And I, man, like from the faith side of things, when the initial kind of conversation, when the particulars got down to it of, "Okay, we have a chance to make a record but I, we physically can't with my schedule as a mm-hmm. teacher. I will have to leave my job to do this. And finally praying specifically of, hey, God, should I leave my job to go make this record? Then resulted in a week or two of crazy signs, like conversations with people who had no clue what was going on, that were speaking things into our life. Oh, my goodness. It was undeniably clear that the answer was yes, that you finally prayed a specific thing. The answer is yes, you need to go and do it. Um, So yeah, it was very scary. But I also was grateful that it had a very finite amount of time to make that decision in we only had a couple weeks before I had to tell the school system, hey, I'm not coming back. So within two weeks, went from having no idea that this was going to be the next year of our Mm -hmm. life to walking in to my headquarters and saying, Hey, I'm not coming back, (laughs) Um, man. But I'm grateful that it was a really short time with the song monument. Like as we're having these conversations and as we're wondering, you know, does it make sense for me to leave my job? Is this really something we should do? You know, people ask you, what's your why and why would you do things? And I don't know why I would do that. I don't know why I would make that kind of a jump because, you know, I'm not one to just kind of subscribe to like just go live your best life and just make irresponsible decisions and like I'm far too (laughs) practically minded to just be like I want to own my own business totally fun um and like I don't know why I would do that and he looked at me and said Jenna you know we just did this tour of shows of testing out all these new songs that we've spent the last year writing 
And at least four times during those shows, did you turn to me after we played a song, after you had a conversation with someone who's so deeply connected to what we'd written about, that you turned to me and said, this is why we do this. Mm -hmm. And you were electrified in those moments and you felt really alive and you told me why. And I was amazed because he was so right. But those were the very first things to go out of my brain mm -hmm. when I got scared and when I started to look at the details of how this would be really difficult. So we talked with a friend of ours about that concept of like, wow, I forgot all these things. And she said, well, that's why the Israelites built monuments because they were such a forgetful people. And every time God did something significant in their lives, they would name the place, they would build an altar, they would build a monument so that they would come back to it and be able to see it and have that physical remembrance of what had been done and what had happened. And that's when Chris said, that's the song, that's what we gotta write, that's what we're missing. So yeah, we spent those few weeks of trying to flesh out that idea and man, it has so been mm -hmm. the song that we have needed as we made this jump, because at that time it was the exhilaration and excitement of, oh my gosh, we've made this life-changing choice and we're going to make this record and do music full time. And wow, this is really thrilling. And then you get a few months in and it gets really hard where mm -hmm. I'm sitting alone in my apartment. Like, I, what do I even do with myself right now? Where are all the people? <laughs> I'm lonely. What's happening? And like, yeah, I have needed that song so much to remind me, hey, look back. Look at the moments where you were certain that this was the right thing. Because just because it gets hard doesn't mean that you're not called to it anymore and doesn't mean that you made the wrong decision. For sure. Well, you did this just so that you could talk to some old person in Canada on radio. There you go. Yes! <laughs> it's, it's true, though, to answer the question 20 minutes longer than you asked. But, uh, <laughs> but like, if you think of it, in some ways, we had this big decision to make. And you could say we were making a big pros and cons list about the whole thing. And every day we'd write down a con and we'd write down a pro, but we'd wake up the next day and every con we'd written down was still there. And every pro was erased somehow. <laughs> like we'd keep forgetting the reasons we want to do it, but we'd only remember the reasons not to go and do it. So the idea with Monument was to try to have something where you remember like there are reasons we're doing this. Prior to us beginning this interview, you promised me a new song because these songs that we played tonight are really just a teaser for what's coming up later in the year. Sure. Tell us about the song you've got in mind. Yeah, so your sneak preview <laughs> is the song Abigail, which is a song that has been so beautiful to see so many people connect mm -hmm. with as they've heard it played at a show. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a song that came out of a very, very dear family friends of ours. It's those friends who have become like family to you, and we have just treasured getting to know them um, and being included as part of their family and learning about everything that they went through with one of their daughters. Um, so they have an older daughter, and then they have twin daughters, and then a younger son. Um, and we had heard for years that one of the twins was a miracle baby, but didn't really know much beyond that. One day I was spending time with the mom in this family and we had the opportunity for her to really go into detail about why Abby was a miracle baby and everything that had happened. The twins were born very early and the doctors were preparing her and her husband of saying that your child may not live. This is not looking good. And just, oh my goodness, the agony of that and 
the terror of that. She she just described it in so much detail, mm-hmm. and she talked about how she prayed the prayer of Hannah, who is the person who pleads with the Lord and says, if you spare my child, I will dedicate his life to you. Anastasia prayed that over Abby and said, Lord, if you spare my child, I will absolutely dedicate her to you. Yeah, just really on her hands and knees praying for her life to be spared. And beautifully, God did. Abby pulled through when the doctors did not think that she would be able to. um, And she lived and breathed and moved and grew. And then years later, they found that she actually had had a heart condition this whole time. It had been noticed, but not focused on because they were trying to just keep her alive. Um, And so it's years later, she's maybe nine. They realize that she has this heart condition and they need to do surgery to repair her heart that has been working overtime for years and years. And yeah, just Anastasia and Barry realizing that you know, their daughter, that they thought they were out of the woods. They thought that their prayers had been answered. And that was the end of that part of the story that she really hadn't been fine this whole time um, and that they could lose her all over again and reliving through that again so beautifully. The surgery was successful and she's great. She's doing wonderfully now. Um, So I came home and I relayed all of that to Chris. Yeah. um, For me, learning that story triggered empathy for me in a really personal way. Like when you know someone and realizing that this person you've known for years was just, you know, a breath away from death and you had never known this whole time. For me, it was so striking that I just took for granted that her life existed. Hmm. And when we went to finally try and get some writing done, it turned out to be the only thing I could really keep thinking about. And it was not as much a song where I felt like we were creating a thing as much as we were kind of reporters just trying to document almost verbatim what that story we'd been told was, and then just put it to music. We'll play Abigail in just a moment, but a final thought. It's obvious that your music is emotional, but what kind of impression will the music of Wild Harbors leave with your fans? (laughs) Well, who knows, because we're not them. But I think what we would hope to leave people with is an encouragement Mm -hmm. that we happen to be making music Mm -hmm. as the adventure that we're on, but every single person has a story that they're invited to live into. And if we can hope anything, it's that people would be able to figure out those things that they are passionate about so that they can live better into their own adventures, their own stories, because everyone has them. Everyone has things that they're good at and talented at. The world is better when you live into those things, Mm -hmm. whether it's your full-time job, whether it's just something that you find and make time to do purposely. We need you to do those things. We need you to Mm -hmm. do the things that make you feel alive. Jenna and Chris, thanks for coming on The Antidote. This has been a real pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us.